They call what we're doing here virtual learning because the thought of any of you actually learning something is outside of reality. Sorry, it, it would appear this passing helicopter drowned out all of the key exposition for this movie. <laughs> but no matter, because believe me, you're not here for any plot, baby. <laughs> Saved from B-movie obscurity earlier this year via a re-release by the Alamo Draft House. Action USA, or as it was apparently originally called based on the song in the credits and the slates in the blooper reel, the far superior A Handful of Trouble, is a 90-minute mm. cocaine-fueled Hollywood stuntman's <laughs> wet dream. <laughs> Literally. Action USA is the feature directorial debut of Jon Stewart. No, not that one. The artist. But instead, a prolific Hollywood stuntman who worked on everything from Ferris Bueller's Day Off to the Power Rangers and was partly funded by the stunt performer community. And it shows. This movie has everything. Enough car ramps to make the Dukes of Hazard jealous. Enough unnecessary full-bodied explosions to give Michael Bay a boner. Enough coincidental run-ins at gas stations to make Doc Hopper in the Muppet movie say, well, now this is just getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and enough shootouts in the streets of Waco, Texas to paint an oddly prophetic vision of the near future for that city. <laughs> this is the work of a stunt master showing the world what he and his entire community can do. As for plot, I told you it doesn't matter, but I'll indulge. We follow Carmen, a young brawless woman who has just witnessed her boyfriend executed by gangsters in front of her because he stole invaluable diamonds from them. Literally invaluable, as we're told later, only he knows the true worth of them. <laughs> Not one other person that no can tell you. Not know. a single person. How could we possibly know that knowledge died? With him. In the nick of time, she is saved from the same fate by FBI agents Osborne and McKinnon, the latter of which you can just call Panama. Who are these reluctant heroes, you may ask? Imagine, it's 1991. You're in a blockbuster with your mom. You tug at her shirt and hold up a VHS asking, Mom, can we please get Lethal Weapon? And she turns to you and says, Oh no, honey, we have Lethal Weapon at home. <laughs> Agent Osborne is a loose cannon with feathered hair and no discernible work uniform. Agent Panama McKinnon is too old for this shit. <laughs> Together, due to constantly missing the one plane that leaves from Waco, Texas a day, 
they must drive <laughs> Carmen to FBI headquarters in order to protect her. And there's no telling how many school buses they'll have to jump over or explosive trucks they'll have to drive through in order to get her out of the constantly pursuing danger of the gangsters following them. So buckle your seatbelts, folks, and activate that NOS because you're in for a wild ride on today's episode, Action USA. Woo, my adrenaline is already pumping. Let's call the roll. Josh Roth. So the USA stands for unending stunt actors, right? (laughs) (laughs) Casey Regan. This is one of those brave movies that has the balls to ask and then answer the question, actors, do we need them? (laughs) (laughs) And this movie made by a stunt performer answers fucking A right we do. We need performances to be out of control. We need them making every choice they can think of. This is a stunt show all across the board. Greg Hansen. Greg Hansen. Eagle Scout? (laughs) It's a little like a greatest hits album since it's all just like 10. At some point, you're like, I'm tired. I'm four songs in. What the fuck? (laughs) There are even moments where it feels like a time life commercial for a greatest hits album. (laughs) Scrolling. Man gets kicked out the window. (laughs) Such hits as Man dangles from helicopter. Gas station explodes. Such hits as fist and kick. (laughs) Action USA, if you don't know that it's an actual film, it does sound like a clip movie. It does. The most boring title. Or a theme park. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to a theme park. Yeah, the tape has started to get a, a cult status in the last couple of years because it's so batshit. I mean, obviously it was like around, but I don't think uh, Drafthouse made a huge deal out of it. Also, like action films don't get a lot of love in the press. It's not If it's not horror, it doesn't matter. That's interesting. That's interesting. Even in like the B-movie community, like there's a bias against action films. Well, I mean, it's swinging around. There are a lot more people and a lot of the action tapes that were five to ten dollars a couple years ago or now 15 to 20 because there's more people collecting it but yeah i mean for a long time it was just like if you liked b-movie tape only shit it was almost always just horror and like if you had some action it would be like the andy sedaris hard ticket to hawaii or like miami connection or you know samurai cop this shoves those in a car and drives them (laughs) into an exploding house so we begin with an insane Corvette driving down the road. I cannot even begin to describe it except to read the IMDB description of this apparently very real car wait, that what? existed before <laughs> wait, wait, what? they shot this. Wait, Sleek One is real? Yes, oh, Sleek yeah. One, oh. as the license plate says. The fabled Sleek One? You have seen <laughs> Sleek One? 
The prophecy has spoken of Sleek One arising. <laughs> we tell our children of the Sleek One. The custom 1969 Corvette Stingray is still owned and driven locally. 700 horsepower without the 500 horsepower nitrous oxide. The car was spotted by movie scouts at a gas station near the lake where arrangements to use it in the movie began. At the time of filming, the vet had been in 27 <laughs> shows and brought in 38 awards. It is a sky blue baby vet with the craziest please someone who understands cars describe it does anyone in our group uh, understand nope. cars yeah yeah nope. yeah cylinders the way the corvette engine is that you don't normally see flux capacitors attached <laughs> and that was what was amazing about this one is it had a goddamn flux capacitor on the front i don't know what it was but what it did <laughs> but I, I think it is actually a flux capacitor because it can't go less than 88 miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> So this is our introduction to Billy Ray and Carmen, who are having the time of their goddamn late yeah. 80s lives. <laughs> well, yeah, he's a weird mix of like podunk hillbilly and pop collar yuppie. He doesn't quite know where he belongs in this crazy 80s world. But he's drinking a 40 in one hand. Yep. Sunglasses. He's fondling his girl on the other hand. And he pumps the nos and says, hang on to your shirt, baby, which is actually a very good piece of advice because four minutes later, <laughs> she will lose this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the moment where he just says, you ain't seen nothing yet, turns on the nitro, and then like immediately swerves literally all over the road is like an insane piece of filmmaking. At a point before we had Cruise in USA, we had Action USA. Yes! <laughs> yeah. No, this paves the way for Cruise in USA. <laughs> paves the way for sure. <laughs> yeah, the stunt driving is bonkers because they are weaving in and out of traffic at crazy ass speeds while just like the most cocained up hair metal That song apparently was made by a band called Urban Shocker. Oh, fuck, yeah. Which has no information on it other than, I guess it's named after a famous New York Yankees pitcher from the 20s, which is so fucking American. What? Wait a minute. There was a pitcher in the 20s named the Urban Shocker? Yes. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like anything about that. I don't want to be a bummer, but I got to go to baseball.com. <laughs> oh, thank God the player was white. Oh, thank God. Thank you. No, you know what's even fucking crazier? Everything that happens in the movie after this? That baseball player, I thought it was like that person's like nickname in the 20s. No, that was their actual name. What? It was Americanized to be Urban James Shocker. <laughs> It's originally Urbane Jacques Shakur. <laughs> I wish I could say that's a joke I make. <laughs> but I'm just not that funny. A hundred years ago, someone at Ellis Island is just like, oh, this is going to play out real nice in a hundred years. <laughs> so, okay. Urbane Shocker is singing, Long is the midnight! And they pull up to a house. Like, 
I was honestly surprised they pulled up to this house because I, I assumed they would just have to like jump out of the moving vehicle and be like, no, it belongs to the road now. It has to just keep going until it stops. They, in a sense, do. Narratively, they, yeah. they do just like roll out of the sleek one because the sleek one's gone from yeah, that, yeah. that crazy car we had to watch. You'd think it would come back oh amongst my- the 20 car chases that happen in this movie. You'd assume at once they'd get behind it again, but it's gone. The only reason that they get out of that car when they do is because from that point on every car you see will be blown up or crash and blow up yeah and they just can't do that to the sleek one guys they get out of the car and walk into the house and then it's suddenly the most awkward sex scene that has ever been put on film the thing i remember distinctly is like their horrible adr pillow talk oh yes with no sound effects behind it like no foley work just like zero <laughs> they are just up on that mic. Yeah, those are looking nice. I don't think you need this. You sure about that? You can like feel the like hum of the awkwardness on set. That's probably why it's all ADR. Is because everybody's just like, "Come on, just kiss them," and she's like, "Okay," and he's like, "Okay, right. take off your shirt." And she's like, "What?" what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god, they they walk in the door and like the first thing that happens is he rips off Carmen's shirt and is like, "All right, no, no, great. no. She, she takes, takes no, it off. She takes Wait, the shirt it off. She's just like, "We're inside now. Now the boobs come out." Yep. Right. I didn't know this performer. But this is like first build in the opening credits, Barry Murphy. This is the star of the movie. It's that by like the at least in if alphabetical order. <laughs> if, if opening credits are the Bible by which we go by the movie's hierarchy, Barry Murphy, fucking number one build. And she ends up being fucking rad in this movie. This isn't oh, just yeah. like the boobs of the movie that like disappear after scene one. The opening really gives you a sense that what you're about to see is Billy Ray's story. And they cut that shit down totally yeah and carmen who you see at the very beginning seems like an airhead that that is just like oh yeah she's set dressing to get us to something else and she's ultimately gonna die nope it's effective because I do remember watching this and just being like, oh, okay, like I know exactly where this is going. And it really does kind of throw you for a loop. Yeah. There's a great beat before the sex scene where they walk inside and they close the door and Billy Ray goes back to like check that the door is locked and then they continue with the sex scene. The p- camera pans off of it to the door <laughs> and then the title comes up directed by John Stewart. Bam! Door gets kicked in. And that's sick. Oh my god. I love their dialogue. That like these two goons that burst through. It's like they have a writer's room for how many cliches they can spout while they're roughing this guy up. They're like, right. we don't make deals with dead men, Billy Ray. Oh, and then so good. this ain't a game show, punk. Right. <laughs> I want to head this off at the past though, because currently we have described the goons coming in as kicking in the door. That is not what happens. (laughs) What happens is the entire door falls. There's no kicking in. It's not on hinges. The hinges are mysteriously gone. And the two goons, we just need to take a moment to pause on them because in this movie made by stunt experts and cast, 
predominantly with stunt people, even the established actors themselves being former stunt people. The two goons that break in, I think the jobs they had just gotten off of was one of them was the stunt performer for Al Borland in Tool Time, and the other was the stunt performer for Freddie Mercury at Live Aid. <laughs> These guys were insane looking. Everyone in this movie is insane looking and dressed like insane people. Like, eat your heart out, Tarantino. Yeah. Like, just like right. taking every cliche. And really, this movie paints in cliches yes. in a way that, like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the script for this movie was written a la Burroughs, where, he, where it was just like whole scripts, just <laughs> like yeah. sentences cut out and then taped together. And no, I would believe that this whole script was written by committee. Basically, they had gathered the council of the stuntmen and are like, what are you known for? Oh, falling out of windows? Great, we'll write a scene about that. What are you known for? Uh, driving a car underneath a tractor trailer? Done, in it. And my axe! Yeah. I really want to believe in reality where this movie was like, a guy came forward and was like, what's your specialty? He's like, I get thrown through lattice work mostly. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, yes. I really know how to jump through lattice. My uncle owns a home and garden center. We can get a shitload of lattice from him. Yeah. It's cheaper than drywall, I promise. All right. Quick, quickly, because I think it's important to establish the fact that, like, seemingly Carmen, her whole attraction to people is how much danger they are in at yeah. any given oh, point. Yeah, because she seems to care not really for Billy Ray. Like, she gets over his death <laughs> real quick, so fucking quick, <laughs> like quick, super quick, and then ends up falling for Clay for no particular reason other than she likes getting shot at. Her kink might be the action USA. That might be the name of the movie for that reason. And we know that she's an action chaser because when the two goons break in, they take Billy Ray and they fucking Freddie Mercury like cold clocks. Punch cams. Yeah. We get punch cams. We get punch cam. <laughs> yep. And you know, bad luck. I Maybe it was like the climate. Maybe it was like because they had driven so fast like all the dust in her nose. It seems she had gotten a bloody nose like just before he punched her too. <laughs> Really so, like, poorly timed. I know, really bad luck. Like on top of everything, she's covered in blood. She's just been punched in the nose in that order. They take Billy Ray and they drive away with him. Yeah, they throw him in the trunk. She jumps into seemingly her Porsche. I love that she jumps in another car. Yeah, not the sleek, which not, not sleek, not one. sleek one. Yeah, a, a whole other fucking roller derby, not roller derby. I would love if she was chasing after this helicopter in rollerblades. Oh, like just yeah. the only way to make this even better. <laughs> if I have one note for this movie, and it is literally just one note, is at a certain point I needed some more vehicles. <laughs> Why not a plane chase? Why not like like maybe the FBI shows up with like a submarine? Like there was just like a certain Ooh. point where we were getting so in, we, in landlocked we, Texas. That would have been. Why couldn't we have kept going? Dirigible steam engine. Let's come on! I want more action USA. Yeah, she takes after them, and then they get in a helicopter. The helicopter. I'm not oh exaggerating God, yeah. when I say I don't know what was said during that entire helicopter sequence because yeah. it, it's impossible. It's impossible to know. We 
we get the most incredible stunt this uh. side of Mission Impossible. It's completely bonkers. The big goon hangs Billy Ray out of the helicopter by his leg. Again, I bet he's done this before. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put me out of the helicopter. I'm ready. And they hang on it. From another helicopter, they have this helicopter <laughs> shot of this helicopter <laughs> flying over Texas for so long and it doesn't stop being impressive. It is as impressive as it is a very roundabout way to torture someone slash press them (laughs) for information. Like the whole point of it is to like to try and get the answer from them where are the diamonds and I feel like there were easier ways than using a bunch of helicopter fuel to dangle him above like maybe just punching him. Also they can't hear each other. They can't hear each other. I love that Billy Ray like is quipping the whole time and you can't hear a goddamn word of it. We're gonna get this thing (laughs) off the ground with your face ass on board and for the jim locker what's that jim locker he called you a motherfucker (laughs) jim locker also it's like more torture for them because they're like upper body strength so at one point to further intimidate billy ray the older goon lets go and says like all right well let's see if you can fly leaving the younger goon to be holding him <laughs> only by the jeans. Yeah, this is a Levi's yeah. sponsor dude. <laughs> yeah. By the jeans. Just so happens to run out of strength over a lake where yes. he takes a dive down into the lake. It's fucking impressive. The helicopter has now run out of gas. Ill-advised that they were like, let's plan to take him up there, but don't refuel. <laughs> It'll only take five to ten minutes to, to get the answer from him. No need no need to buy the extra. No, 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 no. So they have to conveniently land on a strip of road. I can't help but think of that helicopter pilot like panicking for like the past. Like we never see the cockpit and he knows gas is running out. Wrap <laughs> so it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. Yeah. You, you got what you needed? You, did you get did you get it? Uh, no, no, no pressure. The car chase continues. And we have a POV car chase through a closed garage. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So we go from car chase to helicopter chase to car chase. This movie is car chases stopped briefly by other scenes. Yeah. It's, you can argue it's one car chase. Okay. And also, and I hate to get so contentious so early, but there was so much anger towards Haunted Ween taking the Halloween soundtrack. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) And yet not a word given for the obvious Bond theme lifted (laughs) when they get out of that helicopter. Whoa, that's fine. Action USA does it, I guess. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening to the music. I was just somewhere else. I was living this fucking movie. Who's Bond here? I don't don't know. Billy Ray, covered with mud, has gotten out. Carmen has picked him up. They've sped off. And these two fucking jabrones have stolen a car from the oldest person alive. Yes. Who is James Bond? Is the name Carmen a sly joke? Because everyone in this movie is a Carmen. (laughs) No, it's to let you know who she's attracted to, Carmen. Carmen. (laughs) She likes Carmen. And then also, now is when we start the runner of this movie, of this pontification that happens during and interwoven throughout the action scenes, which is just like, Billy Ray is like, I can't tell you nothing. And she's like, tell me literally anything. And he's just like, I jumped into the world. It's cruel, cruel ice. <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> yeah. He's just speaking in like rhyme and idiom at this point. But yeah, it's gibberish. It's T.S. Eliot. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Where are we going? Can we hide from them? There's an old ranch just outside Abilene, the Circle D. You like windmills? What, you mean like in Holland? Yeah. Tulips in the springtime. Like tulips? Dykes, chocolate cheese. Because, like, these words that he's just haikuing together later on turns into a Nicolas Cage in uh, National, Treasure. National Treasure being like, <laughs> snow, snow, ice, Holland? <gasps> Windmills. <gasps> there. And, like, they find the diamond. So, like, some of yeah. this was planned, but right. none of it sounds planned. Yeah, it's like between the, like, ADR pillow talk of the, yes. like, like, ooh, tits, and the, like, come on, we gotta get him. Are these, like, villainous monologues about doing prison time? <laughs> yes. and, and then, like, you have law enforcement officers talking about, like, how they can't retire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how much they hate the pension plan at the FBI. <laughs> Oh yeah, this movie's got cars and guns, explosions, hot ladies. Also, really bad existential poetry. <laughs> so the car chase continues. Carmen hangs out of a moving vehicle. Billy Ray quips, looks like I'm gonna go window shopping. And they immediately drive onto the sidewalk and start yeah. <laughs> just yeah. pedestrians running out of the way. So many people walking with bags that just <laughs> yes. toss them up in the air. We get the first of many any car jackknifes in this scene. Oh, oh. And then we like cut to the cast of like a John Waters movie yes! arguing with each <laughs> oh other my God, at yes. a traffic jam. Please, Greg, just so, explain this yeah. in detail because I love this. So this happens throughout the movie where we get all these asides of characters who have all created traffic for no discernible reason <laughs> with a school bus and a trailer blocking an entire street of traffic and there's like, you know, whatever, 40 cars in either direction. Everyone's hot. People are, are yelling at There's each other. There's a man in Lederhosen trying to <laughs> have a fight with a bus driver. All the kids are still in the bus. And the Porsche comes and of course he's like, we're going to fucking jump it. And he jumps it. <laughs> and, and the kids the are like, ah! <laughs> yeah. And the Benz comes through and is like, we're not going to jump it. We're going to just roll through the trailer. What I do love about this movie is the inconsistency <laughs> of materials of which these <laughs> things are made. Because what? seemingly these cars are made of like unbendable titanium alloy and everything else is made out of scrap wood and, and like, <laughs> aluminum foil because they just like tear through shit and everything just explodes as soon as it's touched which seems yes really dangerous and these kids on the school bus are having the best day of their life i mean it was uh, almost the worst day of their lives because they all tasted death and then they're yeah, just it was like almost the last one. <laughs> and then the porsche does not make the evil Knievel jump. That's maybe my favorite part of this whole thing. And it lands f fucking nose first into a car that seemingly nobody is in, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> a lesser movie, they obviously would have stuck the landing. But these guys are such pros. It the looks crazy. There was somebody in that car, and yeah. I'm concerned. This is stuntman director, so through stunts, need to communicate to us that we are about to lose Billy Ray, Yep. and that Carmen will survive and we'll need to pick up the pieces, and Carmen will find someone better, <laughs> and we get that. The only way that this director knew how to communicate was Billy Ray could not land the jump, and our heroes later totally can, can land the jump. <laughs> so, or right. Billy Ray must die. And as if summoned by that modus operandi, our two heroes screech into the scene in a car. Yeah. Billy Ray and Carmen get taken out of the wreckage and then Billy Ray gets shot through the chest twice and he has this incredible slow motion. Motherfucker! 
and he just has like seemingly two large bags of sauce <laughs> meaty, <laughs> meaty squibs that's so sick what a way oh. to die you went out like a legend billy ray we love you billy ray oh. R.I.P. you really billy did ray. make it up as you went along baby and our heroes our new heroes screech onto the scene chasing off our bad guys carmen rightfully is concerned <laughs> that and they're runs. here to kill her too yep. like at this point yeah and she takes off into the woods but is chased down by clay osborne fbi who straight up tackles her and is like don't worry miss i'm here to protect you slap slap yeah. <laughs> The, and the FBI agents kidnap her for her protection. No, they make it very uh, clear we're not kidnapping. You can leave at any time, but you cannot leave. <laughs> and I do love the runner that then pops up, which is, you know, they're, they're trying to take her out of town to get her safe. And they bring her to the airport and they have missed the plane. <laughs> the single like plane. The plane. And seemingly the FBI has no clout anywhere in this movie. They're a punchline. No, yeah. They carry no respect. And apparently becoming an FBI agent does not mean that you ha- understand how to, I don't know, say read a schedule that brings you to the airport on time. Yeah, yeah it's impossible. <laughs> How could they be expected to make a flight? I'm with the FBI. Now I need three seats in this morning's flight. I'm sorry, that's impossible, sir. Look, I gotta be on that plane, so you just do what you gotta do to get me my seats. But 217 just left. It is so funny how often they keep missing planes. <laughs> the one plane, it seems like the plane leaves at like 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. And if they don't right. get it, then... Well, that's <laughs> yeah. insane. Who could be somewhere by 9 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> we find out that the other agent is called Agent Panama. What's his What's his real name? I didn't even bother writing McKinnon, it down. Earl McKinnon. Earl McKinnon. Earl McKinnon, but they call him Panama. We get a scene where that is like the beginning of the relationship between Carmen and these new agents. She's gone through the most traumatic experience of her life, which she is handling pretty well, if I'm going to be honest. Just because some crazy guys come and kill my boyfriend, there's no reason for you to arrest me. You are not under arrest. This is all for your own protection. I'm a big girl. I can take care of myself. Look, I understand that this is Texas, baby. Like, we don't want the feds doing nothing around here. We're, we live free, goddammit. Ding! But... <laughs> Like, you understand you just watched a loved one get shot. That liked one. A liked yeah. one. <laughs> or at least a liked one. Your evening is shot. No, well, no. Her boyfriend was shot. <laughs> <laughs> this is where they have to establish that this movie will now become about these three yes. characters trying to stay one step ahead of forces that are trying to kill them. And doing it very poorly. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the movie is just Panama and Osborne trying to get... Seemingly uh, not that far. Like, <laughs> no, it's like the Texas border. <laughs> yeah, which is like, I mean, yeah, of course, Texas is a big state, but like, it shouldn't take days. No. And are pursued by Frankie's men. And every step of the way, they only run into each other because of sheer coincidence. There's only one road, seemingly. Well, they keep winding up at the same rest stops and then have to start the car chase anew. This movie is a car chase stopped by brief interludes. It just keeps. Keeps going. Yeah. Maybe we'll just say because it is literally a two-hour drive <laughs> from Waco to the border with Oklahoma, but it's on pretty much one highway. You can't take that one highway one 
of course Frankie's people are going to be looking for you on that highway. And two, all the best eat spots are on these side <laughs> roads. You never, you never road trip on an interstate. Come no, on, we got to stop drive? at that honky-tonk no. bar, guys. Right. Oh. It's not about the driving. It's about the living, baby. <laughs> it is such a short distance that you don't need to take a plane from Waco to Oklahoma City, period. There's no, no reason to do that. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's probably why there was only one flight, because it's a stupid flight. And they're just like, <laughs> I don't know why we keep running this, but FBI keeps throwing people onto these, just booking up rows and rows of seats. Burbank to San Diego. Like, why? <laughs> I mean, you can, but why? <laughs> so at, at this point, we do meet via one of like four cutaway scenes are big baddie Frankie Navarro, which Josh, do you want to describe him? Frankie Navarro, who is Space Santa from Space Mutiny. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. Cameron Mitchell, a goddamn legend. Who never crosses paths with our heroes. No, every time we cut back to him, he's in a hot tub, on a treadmill, sitting on a couch. Like, he's just living his life barking orders. It's so yeah. good that he set up to be our big bad. Because, A, Cameron Mitchell is not a particularly imposing force. <laughs> no. no. We're introduced to him in a bubble bath with two blondes. And yeah. his biggest worry is that one of them is going to get suds on his cigar. <laughs> that is a very particular sort of character, though. He is a mob boss through, like, a Caligula lens. <laughs> As the next scene, we see him just, like, on a treadmill, like barely like keeping it together. Like he's obviously like aged. And then the last scene is his like mafia boys, the little boys in the mafia with him, <laughs> questioning his orders. As the movie goes on, there are like little hints that this is not the big bad. Town Motor Lodge. They better be there for your sake, asshole. Ah, you got suds on my cigar. I want to drill down a little more into our leads. Oh, yeah, we can like, take some time. The movie takes some time right now. Gregory Scott Cummins has been like a side villain in things for like oh, ever. Oh, and, yeah, and in is everything. so great. Oh, is just like such an amazing character actor for playing a slightly insane baddie. He's got the best eyes. He's also turned in like incredible villain performances in so many movies and TV shows around here. Like he's just like a great heavy to have in a thing. He is two of my favorite little side roles, which is he is the acrobatic thug in Batman Returns. He's the guy who like springs <gasps> onto the stage and takes what? the mayor's baby <gasps> and says, I'm not one for speeches, but thanks. <laughs> puts off into the sewer. That's him. And Holy he was shit. one of John Lithgow's henches in Cliffhanger. And he was, for me, always the funniest one because his character name is Ryan. And hearing John Lithgow be like, Ryan, <laughs> is one of the greatest things that movies have ever given me. The fact that the performance he's turning in here is very off what he did the rest of his career. You're right, Jamie, that there's so much of this movie that is lethal weapon. But he's not even playing like a wackadoo crazy no, no, no. rigs. He's playing a very quiet, reserved, like someone who came back from Vietnam and sure is messed up, but is like handling it. So after Panama and Clayton are griping about their jobs at the FBI and how they don't get good insurance and <laughs> terrible pensions and Carmen showering. Be a pillar of your community. Fight crime. Serve and protect your fellow citizens. Defend the Constitution of the United States. Exactly. Where does it get you? 
Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Hey, we sure do appreciate your risking your life every night since 1975. Here's your half-price pension. There is like an anti-Fed and like anti-law enforcement and just anti-anything that isn't explosions <laughs> like thread throughout this movie. And it also sets up the motivation of their ultimately evil higher up who's like, hey man, our 401k's <laughs> like ain't Great. worth shit and I'm gonna about to get $401,000 from these diamonds. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, exactly. it's the same motive as Jerry Orbach in a gnome named Gnorm. <laughs> Right. Carmen walks out of the shower and then immediately walks over to the curtained like motel window that looks out onto the street. And <laughs> Panama shouts, get away from that window, miss. She says, why? What are you worried about? And as soon as she touches the curtain, Carmen is tackled through the glass by the tattooed goon. It's a high level of an overreaction from Panama in that moment where you're like, all right, pump the brakes. But oh, no, no, it was warranted. Seemingly nobody takes Panama and Osborne's advice ever and doesn't seem to ever learn about the fact that it's like, maybe the three of us should just stick together all the time. Yeah. Because right. everyone like a Friday the 13th teen is just like I don't see Jason here I'm just gonna go into a different room for a little while right. at least at this level thankfully they're not dealing with the echelon of assassin that they meet later because opening move jump through a window <laughs> yell is like not great like fucking other guy wasn't even out of the car yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this guy really that just means, jumped it that is like a good question because I yeah it does make me wonder like is was that guy's whole thing waiting for her to open the windows <laughs> yeah <laughs> just yeah. crouched was there he, yeah was he standing there or did he just run and it was perfectly timed that she opened the window in my mind they had just pulled up he was like looking around to be like is this the right room she opens the thing he's like, ah, like <laughs> he, has, yeah. he had spring boots on yes. but like anytime he yeah. saw her they just went and the he's like, panic oh, button like, go gadget boots <laughs> I'm actually surprised because for a movie that later really over motivates our villains <laughs> <laughs> actually gives us too many villains I, just, I need to know less about our villains, actually. So they take off in a car and the car chase continues. Yep. And they give us another amazing Duke boys jump over a ravine. <laughs> a drainage ditch, really. A drainage ditch, yeah. And the good guys make it because they are... The good guys. The good guys. And right. the bad guy uh, becomes that Pink Floyd album cover, right? Yeah, the one where he's, he's just standing there. Covered in, fly, in flame. Covered in flame. The movie has given us two circumstances where we are given two whole sets of characters. Both of those sets of characters are summarily killed off and replaced. <laughs> like a lizard shedding its skin. Yes. Right. And so we lose our baddies only to grow worse baddies in its place. <laughs> which is Hope how and I don't know who, whoever the guy who plays Lucky is and it's great because they're waiting on the tarmac yes for oh, Drago yes. And Ross Hagen but Drago to, to show up and they're like watching this like yeah 12 seater plane disembark and they're like, is that him? Is that him? Is that him? And they're like, no, no, no. no. And they're like, I, I don't know why they had to bring in Drago. We could have taken care of this. And then the, the plane moves to reveal a sex 
second plane. Tinier plane. Which is the most baller, weird decision that anyone's yeah. ever But they ask, they're like, oh, is it that guy? Yeah, the one in the trench coat. Yeah, the only one left coming out of yeah. the little plane. The guy carrying his plane. Yeah, the guy. <laughs> fucking Walker, Texas stranger. Right. From a distance, a man so in a long beige duster and a cowboy hat is like lifting the back of a very small plane. And carrying it like roller luggage. <laughs> I expected him to keep like just dragging it behind him when yeah, he walked me too. over. You'd think a point of a scene like that would be to show like, fuck, this guy's strong. But what it read as is like, fuck, planes are light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea planes were so easy to carry. And that is Russ Hagen as Drago, the feared Drago. I love the like question of like, why are you dressed like that? Yes! And, and he just goes, You heard of Rome? What about? I'm in Texas. And when in Texas, I dress like a Texan. You heard of Rome? Which is awesome. Like, you heard of Rome? No. What? What's happening right now? What's happening, Casey, is the beginning of my favorite love story in this movie. And I, yes. and I say this completely seriously. I am not making light of this. There Absolutely. is a like wedged in romance to be predicted between yeah. uh, Carmen and Osborne that I don't care about. This is a true love story between Drago and and Hitch. You, it has everything. It has a meet cute. It has a getting to know you scene. And then it has finding vengeance for the love of your life getting killed right. later on. Yeah. It's beautiful. It looks like love at first sight. Hitch sees him coming across the tarmac. He's like, yeah, that's him. That's Drago. I'll drive. Oh, you got to be careful because this thing is really hot. So am I. They're flirting. <laughs> that is flirting. So that is what romance. flirting is. And from this moment on, Lucky is the weirdest third wheel to their relationship <laughs> possible. Yeah. Where he like keeps trying to connect with them. And they're like, this isn't about you, son. Stay in your lane. <laughs> well, also sort of at the same time, kind of an adopted son. Yeah, also. Yeah, 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 see, yeah. This is like a small play about a marriage. Yes. <laughs> it's like about like love lost. This is Paris, Texas. This is Paris. <laughs> exactly. I would almost believe like it's not intended to even be hidden. No, I don't think it is. So how much time is it going to take to finish the job? One thing we know, Lucky, is how to do time. <laughs> Leavenworth, Sing Sing, Yuma, Joliet, Norfolk, Bragg. <laughs> the hell are you guys talking about? We are lucky in that moment being like, what are they doing? But they're looking deep into each other's eyes and they're like, ah, yeah. And like, there's this bonding that happens over this like shared prison experience that they've had. They also just like name dropped like top five prisons. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about their prisons like you talk about your alma mater. <laughs> it is further fascinating because of this line later in the movie when Drago and Hitch and Lucky go to run our heroes off the road and Drago says, let's go kick some educated ass. Yes. <laughs> it's like, when, when did that become? When was, is that what you've been mad about? I thought. <laughs> I do love this like gunfight on the Golden Corral that happens 
is here at the Golden Corral next to the <laughs> chocolate fountain. When he holds open the door for Carmen and goes, here, miss, and then just like pushes her into a car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Great. Drago's expertise so that good. we see. The reason we needed <laughs> Drago. Shove her in the car. Hey, uh, can I get that door for you, miss? Get the hell in there. <laughs> Drago's not, you know, Anton Chigurh. Like, this isn't like an assassin. This is no. like, he's just bumbling through it as well. He just has a cooler duster. Like, yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. know how to drive. <laughs> right. Also, which he's only wearing because he's in Texas. This is <laughs> yeah. a camp camp man yes so, yeah drago kidnaps carmen and they drag carmen off i love this next scene where uh, oh my god carmen yeah. tries to seduce hitch but hitch is like wise to it uh, for many reasons also <laughs> yeah. uninterested. Like, uninterested. Yeah. but it's great because it, it's more competence from carmen where you're seeing like carmen knows what's going on and carmen is looking out for Carmen. She's taking a page from the Bugs Bunny playbook, <laughs> yes. you know? And she's like, right. oh, gee, mister, you're pretty sexy, aren't you? I'm not just saying right. that because you have me, you know, captured and I want to get loose. And Hitch is like, I only have eyes for one man, miss. <laughs> right, Hitch is hitched. So, <laughs> and that's why, like, as this goes on, she tries it again with Lucky, and Lucky's a little more receptive because he's a horny kid. But he's also, like, trying to impress his papa and just says the same exact same thing. thing. Maybe you could show me sometime. Don't play me, sweetheart. Don't do that. You know, it's really the strong, silent types that get me going. Don't play me, sweetheart. Like a kid copying their... It's the scene from Jaws. It's funny because this scene that then plays out, which is Osborne and Panama show back up. Inexplicably finding them again. Yeah, well, it's actually hard to convince me that this movie isn't structured like Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> oh, we board it up again. And then, yeah. and then, oh no, the zombies are back. It's this sort of ebb and flow where it's like, okay, we've gone a half a mile towards the border. Let's take a break. And then, uh-oh, there's a shootout. One guy gets captured. We get him back. And then... <laughs> We go, go another half a mile down the road. Like, oh, car yeah. broke down. Yeah. All over again. The plot only proceeds through contrivances, through moments of such insane convenience. Panama and Clayton rescue Carmen. Uh, Carmen mentions that Billy Ray was rambling nonsense about snow and ice. Just as they drive past the Circle D Ranch, and she's like, oh, I think he mentioned something about a Circle D Ranch. <laughs> the Circle D yeah. Ranch where the D is for deus ex machina. <laughs> yeah. And then we get this, like Jimmy was saying, national treasure putting together the pieces and they find the diamonds in a windmill. <laughs> because he had said, I have plunged myself into snow and ice. Let's try and put yeah, it yeah, together. Yeah, okay. I love yeah, these things. Yeah, I love yeah, escape okay, rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, it's so fun. So snow and ice. Hey, baby, we should go to Holland. Yeah. A land of chocolate and cheese. Uh, tulips. And windmills and tulips it's actually a great moment though when, when they're regurgitating it to panama and panama says yeah yeah hans brinker and the silver skates too which is like a reference to a 19th century novel about dutch youth what? It's like, what a wild literary reference to just sort of like throw in there like well he is an educated man yeah. Yeah. Drago, Drago assessed him right i still don't know why i made Drago so angry but it would have been great if like they had really latched on to other things he said like two lips two lips wait a minute they go over to Carmen and they like pry open her mouth and they're like the diamonds are in here 
some point, someone gets upset. And this is the first moment. Like, I think Carmen gets mad. Like, am I just a job to you? And they're like, yeah. yes. That, yes. <laughs> because she has imprinted pretty yes. strong yeah. on her captors. Because she's her brain has been made scrambled egg by a series of the most traumatic experiences of her life. Maybe not. I don't know. She was dating Billy Ray. It's yeah. like, right. She's That's probably true. seen some shit. So finally, as opposed to brooding, Clay has to go over and be like, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> He has to use his words. I know I haven't said this yet, but With, like, like wispy you're... MIDI music. You married Osborne? No. Why not? Things have a tendency not to work out. Let me guess. There's always something wrong with the woman. She's not pretty enough. She's not smart enough. She's lousy in the sack. She hates Italian food. Yeah, well, I hate to burst your bubble. But I'm not the one who does the leaving. Well, we've all got our problems. The only problem I have is keeping you alive. You keep me alive, and maybe in return I'll keep you alive. This is USA. We had the action, and here's USA. This like beautiful <laughs> America sunset, like these these big forests, this like wide stretching farmland. So she sets the business terms of her uh, heart. I don't know. She makes like a she makes like a, I'll be in love with you, I guess, by the end of this, if you uh, make sure I don't get shot yeah. and stuff. That, that's all she wants, as we've established it, earlier. It's very honest. It's a very honest sort of like a counting of what the sort of like implications and these sort of like gender dynamics of these sort of action movie relationships are. And speaking of honest, we're now back to my favorite relationship in the in the movie and we're back with oh. Hitch and Drago and Lucky in the car and now they're bonding over their mothers. At least we still got our moms with us, you know. I'm an orphan. Nothing lucky about that. That's right. Without our moms, where the hell would we be today? So weird. (laughs) Yes, about mothers, but specifically about putting your mothers into nursing homes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. a nice nursing home. A nice, that's that's why we do it all. That's why we do all this. We do it for them. It was so funny that they were like, yeah, our moms. Sure, love our moms. God, if I didn't have my mom, I don't know what I'd do. I'd be pretty messed up. Ooh, hey, there are those people we need to murder. Let's go Let's murder go. them yep. right now. That juxtaposition is purposeful, and it does shift the mood of this movie where I'm less afraid of them. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. more surprised when they try and do something like villainous or murderous. It's also interesting because Hope Howell, who plays Hitch, is the dialogue coach for the movie, and what? Ross Hagen was an associate producer. And so like, there's like a part of me that feels like this shit was not written and because they basically had at least some run of the show because clearly Jon Stewart's like big thing was everything else. Like I think that they were probably like, we're just gonna fucking go for it. Russ Hagen, he goes to work in the ADR booth in this movie. Like he, he fucking, that makes total sense to me that he is a producer because he throws in throughout this movie lines that is so clear he is not saying. It's so clear his mouth is not moving in that way but in the ADR booth Russ was like oh I, sh- I should probably throw a few more meaty pieces of dialogue <laughs> Ru- Russ's way I should, I, should, I should probably give me a few more cool lines what do you say and 
And he's like, oh, right, I'm in charge. I say. And after this chase scene, we cut to a Georgia Satellites music video oh, already in progress. Oh, man. But oh, this yeah. is the big set piece for everything. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is... This is a scene, and it's I incredible. love it. Yeah, we, we cut to this band on stage, and we're at the Melody Ranch. A honky-tonk bar. What I'm hoping is that somebody is pitching bands to them, and some fucking, you know, like, Weasley promoter comes in and is like, okay, here's your band, the New Wave Country Sensation, Steers for Fears. <laughs> <laughs> It was a, it was certainly a vibe, that place. <laughs> Our heroes pull up because I think the car overheats and... Oh, those cars can get no more than 10 to 15 minutes before <laughs> overheating. I thought things were supposed to be made like better back in the day. Yeah. But this movie does not belie that fact because shit seems like it's made out of paper mache yes. and gasoline. But yeah, they go into this bar and Carmen is able to just breeze through because... It's uh, ladies night. It's ladies night and also maybe because she's white. <laughs> Because. <laughs> oh boy. Welcome to Texas. Panama oh. is immediately stopped at the door, and there's a Zoltar uh, <laughs> standee, like a, an old fo- fortune teller machine from Coney Island, is there and says, uh, That'll be $3. No, I didn't do a southern accent. Why didn't I do a southern accent? <laughs> That'll be $3. Uh-huh. Look, I just need to get some water. Okay? I don't care what you drink, it's $3 to get in. The FBI. Well, then, that makes it a dollar a letter, I reckon. So there are so many things I love about this scene. The fact that the first shot we get after Panama enters is that the German tourists from the bus are here. There is one road. There is one road, and everyone's (laughs) traveling down it. How did they get there before them? (laughs) The trailer that they were using has exploded. (laughs) Excellent question, Greg. Excellent question. It really does magnify just how poorly Agent Claire and Panama are doing <laughs> with this two-hour journey. These, that these tourists who don't know where they are are or able to make vehicle. it there. <laughs> yes, or yeah. any motor transportation. The next shot we get is Panama's POV as he's walking through this sea of antagonistic white faces staring at like yep. a black man in a suit walking through this honky-tonk. They put the honky in the honky-tonk for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the movie didn't shy away from the fact that this was an uncomfortable situation and a reality of what a black man's life may be in parts of Texas between Waco and Oklahoma. So Carmen's in the ladies' room. Clayton waits outside like a fucking creep for her to come out. It's also like a wild thing that like in this scene, Panama literally says his role is surveillance, but he cannot keep two fucking eyes on (laughs) Carmen. Where in Upper Texas is Carmen Amarillo? (laughs) (laughs) Because as we see, she's not in the bathroom because Clayton hears some moaning and screaming. It is clearly not one of distress. It is clearly a female orgasm. Obviously. Which maybe he's he's never never heard. heard. (laughs) Damn, got his educated ass. You got his educated ass, Jamie. And then Clayton just starts a bar fight. I got to give some props to Jon Stewart for his ability to make these sort of like tonal shifts that work as punchlines. Like the idea that the scene has thus far been like a stark scene of like a, a person of color walking through a inhospitable and antagonistic situation. Then it, it can turn to the point of like all Agent Clay has to say is Bye! 
Right. Fine. Because this whole movie's fucking stunt people. Yes. That's their cue. That's their cue. Fucking a Panama gets thrown as I said oh. through a variety of lattices. <laughs> yeah, through not one, but two different lattices in the dining room. It is like a dance number in a in a movie that is so highly choreographed. This is a stunt performance. This movie. But when the fight first breaks out, knowing that this whole movie is stunt people, it is like, all right, now freestyle a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, do all the punches we know. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like Marx Brothers-y chaos that's going on. And then Carmen gets up and sings with the band so well that the fighting stops and peace is brought to this small Texan bar and everyone applauds her. She's not strategically very smart, but she is awesome. Yes. She gets on stage and fucking sings the crowd back to (laughs) humanity. And while that is very cool, not a smart move for someone who's trying to stay in it. (laughs) Not for someone who's on the run. No, everyone who's been looking for is just like, ah, she's probably outside. Oh, yeah. And we totally blew by a scene that if any part of Hitch and Drago's relationship read as romantic, this is the stamp. This is like the we're rubber stamping this like it's closed this is notarized they show up you know i assume they've been driving there just looking into each other's eyes being like juliet arkham asylum <laughs> the phantom zone <laughs> that planet from chronicles of Riddick. And, uh, they show up to this honky tonk and drago's like you guys can't go in there looking like this you gotta look like cowboys like me i dress like a texan or are you gonna and, stick out like a like a boner and then they get two cowboys out there and they sort of honey pot them <laughs> and beat them up and put their stetsons on lucky and hitch and then, yeah. drago walks oh in and hitch looks lucky up and down and says you will never make a goddamn cowboy. I mean, you look like a piece of shit. Bitch, you look busted. (laughs) And like takes the hat off of Lucky and puts it on Hitch. And then Hitch like struts in. Hitch wants some time alone with Drago, obviously. I want to recut this movie as like a rom-com trailer for just their relationship. Romance USA. So our heroes get away. Well, uh, not Not all all of of our heroes. Because Clayton is kidnapped by Drago and Hitch. And they start torturing him off screen. And it must be real bad (laughs) because... They keep describing it, but really oh, have no. done my, This is actually my favorite bit of ADR <laughs> because it's the one that makes the least exactly. amount of sense. He go, what At one point, he just goes, you get anything out of him yet? Not yet, but we will. You saved some for me. You got it. Looks like you boys told him a joke. I told him number six. What? What? What does that what? mean? <laughs> That to me is such a put such a pin in the fact that Hope Howell and Ross Hagen are just making it all up as yes. they go. And then from this we crossfade to daylight. Yes. And because everyone is driving shitty American cars, <laughs> the car has overheated. This is like the fourth Again. car that has overheated right. in the movie so far. And is not the last one. No, we see no. more overheated cars. <laughs> That's when we get our last look at Cameron Mitchell. Oh yeah, we get one brief more scene with Frankie, who's berating his minions over like weirdly jaunty music. Nothing from Drago. Oh, son of a bitch. 
That bastard is double-crossing me. I'll hang his balls out to dry. I want to talk to him. We don't know where he is, Frankie. You find him. That might take a little while. Find him, goddammit! Yeah, what is the Who Framed Roger Rabbit theme song playing in the background? It's so bizarre. And they film it from like a shot that makes Cameron Mitchell look like so small. It's like this overhead shot of uh, the him looking over the back of a couch. I don't know. I found that so cool for the fact that he's been like this villainous MacGuffin. He's been the red herring who has been like pretending to be the villain, but actually means nothing to the story. And our last like look at him is just like he's nothing. He's like a criminal like hiding behind a couch essentially. Yeah. Well, and he's also like yelling at at like his girlfriend who seemingly can't speak english because she seems like she has no idea what the fuck he's saying <laughs> oh holding her by her hair right and just like that's how the scene opens and just and him just being like i need these diamonds because uh <laughs> because the diamonds are worth money and i need the money from the diamonds it's like he's like <laughs> he's like john madden right we're essentially frankie's girl he's just giving the audience information he's holding us by our hair and being like all right look here's where we are i know there's been a lot of explosions and stuff <laughs> we need it's very hard to hear people the diamonds are what's important here, you see. We want to buy them for lots of money. Anyway, back to the movie. Uh, yeah, so their car breaks down again. Uh, and they have to take off on foot. Then they scare off some migrant workers. Uh, yeah. And then proceed to just take their truck. Well, it is given to them. It is they, given they after that, uh, like Carmen yeah. convinces them. That they're not ice. Yeah, that, that, yeah. because the first thing that pa Panama walks up, he's like, I'm a federal agent! And they just oh. fucking scatter. Oh, uh, Jesus. It was an understanding of the power dynamics of that part of the country. There will be people doing manual labor, and if a federal agent walks up and is like, hey, I'm a federal agent, they'll be like, fuck <laughs> this! And just uh, bolt, as well they should. Do bolt. Do run from federal agents that's uh, the official video high always run from federal I know. agents i guess it was most like this was all played as a joke and it mostly just made me sad <laughs> <laughs> you know a hot babe gets what the hot babe wants baby our only mode of transportation sure you're hot <laughs> you're good carmen take it <laughs> Panama and Carmen stop for food, which is, of course, the same place that Drago and company stop for gas. At a certain point, you have to question. <laughs> Drago even should have been like, hey, this is getting pretty good. Yeah. We keep running, <laughs> running into each other. I, I'm glad we do. Like, it works yeah, out for it's me. Good for but, me. like, this is crazy. And our car chase begins anew. Before that, we got one quick scene of them Torture. questioning Clay. They were sort of like, Torture, but in that movie sense where the torture is just like, I'm going to keep punching you harder. Go to hell. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, boy, you're right there. You need me to get the diamonds. Do you ever see the goddamn devil, boy? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Yeah. So I got there was like this quick little power dynamic interplay where they essentially asked Clay, what's made you so tough? And Clay says, Saigon. Oh, yeah. You know, you may think me an educated man, <laughs> sir, but you would be mistaken, for I have seen the horrors of war. And it sort of like has this interplay of like, I'm tough 
because I served my country. And it's like, well, I'm tough because I'm a criminal. <laughs> like these two people being like, and who's tougher? We'll find out next time on Action USA. <laughs> also, Drago was also in Nam. Oh, right. He said he was a he ranger. Was a ranger. Yeah. He's like, oh, you think you're tough, Mr. Army Boy? Like rangers. Then I got to jail. <laughs> and then I'm chasing your ass. <laughs> yeah. And I was a gladiator for the cowboy. <laughs> and astronaut. <laughs> on the next job, Drago will tell people like, I was a sheriff in exactly. Texas. Like, this is obviously just a guy who puts on costumes. He assumes identities. He's probably never been to prison. His no. relationship with Hitch was probably built on a lie. This is like one long, like, for Yorkshireman sketch. Like, <laughs> yeah. So you think you've seen car chases in this oh. movie. But uh, you, you have not no seen car chases idea. in this movie. This car chase tops them all. All just throwing cars around. Yeah. They just Exploding throw the fuck cars out of cars. Yeah, everything's exploding. One of the first things they do is they force a car off the road through a house, <laughs> which then explodes <laughs> on a time delay. Well, not before yes. the person yes. driving the truck, who I believe from like pictures and interviews I I watched a bit of, I believe that was our director that, John yeah. Stewart. Oh, oh, great, great. Who has driven a truck through a person's house we see the person react like my bedroom <laughs> and then the person who drove the truck through the house turns around and goes sorry about the house buddy It explodes in a way only a meth lab could. Like. <laughs> and then immediately after, an entire gas station blows up <laughs> in slow motion. Yeah. It is beautiful. The damage done to this Texas town. It's immeasurable. Much like the diamonds. We get this uh, crazy fight. Drago gets thrown from the car and Osborne and Lucky are like struggling over Lucky's gun. They like end up on the back of the car on the trunk. Hitch gets shot in the shoulder. Lucky gets thrown from the car. Clay and Lucky throw each yes. other out of the rear windshield. <laughs> it's the force that they must have been traveling at is insane. In the 80s, windshields were not like they are now. They're made of sugar glass. That's what those little black lines do. Everybody wonders why there are little black lines there. They call those Osborne lines. <laughs> it's, for this, it's for this reason. It's another incredible stunt where the car is driving very fast and they are in the back of the car fighting and it is very effective. It's photographed super well like as opposed to a subsequent stunt. It is very obvious that it is Greg Scott Cummins and the guy who played Lucky just like on the back of a car and we're seeing this highway traveling like at huge speeds right underneath them. We're seeing glass blow out. We're seeing them like crawl over hoods and we're seeing Russ Hagen like climb up on the side of a car and like try and shoot at Carmen and Panama. It's so rad. Yep. And then Clayton jumps from the car into the truck that Panama and Carmen are in and Hitch hits a truck that says explosives in big well, letters on it. Drago has been like thrown from the car at this point. Lucky's also thrown so they're both safe. This is a bit of a Romeo and Juliet <laughs> thinking Drago is dead. He himself strikes out <laughs> as uh, Panama 
my love and in one you know be his love guides his hand true and in a single shot he hits panama there's a truck parked in the middle of the road i guess at this point they have not learned in the world that when you have broken down don't take up the entire road (laughs) yeah Yeah. it was conventional knowledge at that point that it's better to just block everything (laughs) be as much of an obstruction as you possibly can so that when oncoming traffic careens towards you it will explode your entire truck and hitch screams his last dying breath His last thought was to Lucky. Was it just out of a sense of fatherhood or was there like a maybe Hitch always held a flame for Lucky but never felt he could express it? No, I think it's because Lucky shot him in the back. (laughs) Oh, right. Maybe that. (laughs) We cut to Panama laying on a hospital bed (laughs) and we finally get the backstory on how he got his name. Panama, can someone please explain this to me? Well, it doesn't live up to the hype. My mom and dad never got any further from Newark than Coney Island. Stay with me. They started calling me Panama because that was about the farthest place from Newark they could think of. And that's what they wanted from me. To get as far away as I could get. After that roller coaster, like indoor cosmic neon (laughs) warning epileptics, don't ride this ride roller coaster that was that last car chase. When he's on the bed, he's like, I'll tell you why they call me Panama. I was like, oh, right. That's a (laughs) loose end. I I forgot that like we cared why you were called Panama. (laughs) I loved that because it is so obviously reverse engineered. It is so obviously like... Panama is a cool character name. And there's like, oh, you know what also be cool is if it's like he kind of keeps a secret of why he's called Panama. At the end, we'll say why. And they're like, but why? And then they were like, got to, got to that part in the script and we're like, but why? <laughs> Maybe Panama was right. What's the point? He's got people who care about him, does the right thing. He'll make it. We're now in sad moment. And so Clay and Carmen go and stand on a bridge together. <laughs> and they mope, but they don't and, kiss. And flirt. They don't kiss yet. No, we fade to black and then fade up the next morning. And I definitely thought that they were going to be in bed together. Yes! It is a great it was a fake, good fake out. out. That's a great fake out because Drago is waiting for her. <laughs> he's, and like right. he's, just, to her. he's just watching her sleep like <laughs> a fucking so creep. It's so creepy. It's villainous. More than that, he's like a boogeyman now. I mean, the, the one, two of I thought you were dead and his response they don't build a bullet big enough is so <laughs> oh, good oh and then of course they go downstairs like he has to smuggle her somehow through the lobby of the hotel and does and it poorly they run into clayton yeah and osborne so is just on the single payphone that the hotel has he's on the phone with the hospital who is apparently working for the cabal of villainy behind all of this <laughs> because he's on the phone and he says what do you mean you lost him yeah. <laughs> like they lost panama's no they didn't lose him we, we learned that he was checked out by his superior right no but that's why the phone call that clayton is having in the hotel <laughs> lobby is so fascinating is because he says what do you mean you lost him <laughs> and then you hear on the other side the person go 
Oh, no, yeah, here he is. Yeah, he's fine. That means that, like, orderly is in on it. That orderly is getting a diamond. Yes. <laughs> was promised one, one of the diamonds, what? and I would like them, please. Drago drags Carmen by the hair up several stories worth of stairs. From the people who brought you Dangle Guy out of helicopter in order to press him for information right. comes, bring him to top of building. To- and they don't seem particularly phased by it. They're in no. good shape. <laughs> Not at all. And Clayton follows yeah. them up. And then Lucky gets the drop on Clayton. And we get the, there are so many good lines in this scene. Tickle him, Lucky. And pats him down, pats him down, pats him down. Finds the diamonds. That was good slang. And Lucky says. That's why they call me Lucky. All right, now send him to heaven. But Lucky's out of bullets. Yeah, d- d- does like a really big, like tough guy, yeah. like move away from him to look cool yeah, with the gun. steps back, perfectly framed by the window <laughs> behind yeah. him. I can't wait to kill my first person. I'm going to really enjoy this murder I'm about to do. <laughs> oh, fuck. You're not so lucky now, asshole. And he falls in absolutely epic slow motion down, I don't even know how many flights. Quadruple cuts to the same. Ah! Ah! So long. Such a long fall. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's an incredible stunt, and it's just fucking beautiful. And he lands on the roof of a car. It's so good. Drago and Clayton uh, duke it out, and then I love Carmen picks up a 2 by 4 and just sort of scares Drago off, and Drago, like, leaves? (laughs) No, she she does hit him. Does she? Because there's an ADR bit where he goes, oh, the the thing had fucking nails in it. Yeah. Oh! No, this was the scene where Russ Hagen went into the (laughs) ADR booth, put his headphones on, like, started rocking. And was like, turn my headphones up, turn my headphones up. It was like, you know what? I'm just going to go off. Yeah. <laughs> because he's saying things that yeah. on set, obviously he did not say. No. He like knocks his fists together and he on set said, this is for Hitch. And in the line said something like, this is for that good man, Hitch. Like it's, There's just like extra words in there. Then he says, let's see how you like the sing sing slice. Yes. 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 And then he yes. punches yeah. him. He, start, he starts like being his own color commentator. <laughs> yeah. And, and like and is like like spouting nonsense like John Carradine in an old sci-fi movie trying to like make the science make sense yeah. which for those of you who only treat this as an audio medium i cannot stress strongly enough <laughs> His lips not. are not saying these words. His mouth not. is not moving to these sentences. No, he's like Robin Williams when he's doing the genie in Aladdin. He does confirm his love for Hitch, don't forget. He, he does, does say, this one's for old Hitch. And like, <laughs> for old Hitch, like, yeah. yeah. There was one thing he was living for, and that was Hitch. And then he just runs off. He just he just sneaks away, and, and they're cool with it. They, they're like, should we follow him? Nah. Clayton drives Carmen to the border where he's meeting the FBI, but he's suspicious. And he steals a motorcycle nearby, leaving Carmen alone in the truck. Yeah, off screen. I did kind of want to see the scene of him approaching a bunch of 12-year-olds, be like, hey, bro, can I borrow your bike? (laughs) It definitely won't explode. (laughs) Yeah, I'll bring it back. We should say all through this movie, we've seen there's a guy named Conover. Conover? Yeah, and Conover is like some sort of 
head mucky muck at the FBI. Who has smoked every cigarette in Texas. Like, his voice is just pure gravel. Is grizzled-looking-ass motherfucker William Smith. Prolific, like, exploitation actor Incredible. William Smith. Like, a guy who's been in so much shit. Getting to do this, like, one thing. It's like, this movie is like a stunt show with not just the stunts, but the actors, too. It's like right, they the bring actors in, who they... needed stunt people uh, at that time. Right, and they're acting is a stunt like they're all playing like Cameron Mitchell Russ Hagen Ho Cowell and William Smith are all like they play this one game I'm the like over the top bounty hunter I'm the grizzled old prisoner Cameron Mitchell is like a mob boss at the end of their empire and William Smith is just the sleaziest most morally compromised person in a position of governmental power and they just get to do this like one acting stunt they each get to do like one turn they each get to make one like loud really fun choice and i loved william smith's portrayal of like the backstabbing fbi leader yeah i mean osborne rides up on his dirt bike and he's like carmen is somewhere safe and conover's like where are the diamonds and osborne's like how do you know about the de- oh damn like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and drago walks up from behind him no no not walks out yeah appears <laughs> Yeah. materializes <laughs> from the shadows behind them yeah and he's like he's like shit i should have seen this coming right. <laughs> and he goes to reach it for he pretend he says oh i don't know nothing about the diamonds and makes like he's reaching for cigarettes and conover reads that and goes like no you don't want to smoke yeah you don't want to smoke. smoke does he boys he doesn't want to smoke and that's like a signal to like we know you're reaching for your gun we're willing to take you down and his villain monologue Rules. I've been thinking about it for 25 years. Five more years, I'm a retired FBI agent. A future security guard. So what do I do? I get up in the morning, I go out to the golf course, and I play nine hole. And I come home, and I sit on the porch with my fat ass trying to take a lot of men and risk their lives for you. What about them? Fuck them. I want to go up to the mall security guard and be like, hey, did you work for the FBI? <laughs> uh, around Quantico, there's a bunch of like foot lockers and best buys that are managed by ex heads of the FBI. There's no retirement plan there. The J. Edgar Hoover Memorial Foot Locker. Right now, James Comey's asking someone if they want El Diablo sauce. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like, of course, that gordita's on us. I apologize. <laughs> Yeah, I do love the idea that, like, some school bus driver is just like, you know, I didn't always used to be this way. I used to be a handler at Langley. <laughs> so they've got Panama rigged in a car with TNT. They want them diamonds. They want them shiny rocks that no one knows how expensive they are. No way of knowing. Clay gives up the diamonds. No one ever looks. No one ever, no. Did, like, everyone just is like, yeah, we got them. This whole time, they keep cutting back to the truck where Carmen is filling a bottle with gasoline, putting a rag in it, lighting the rag, and she drives up to them and throws a Molotov cocktail out the window, blowing up the FBI cars and lighting two agents on fire in the process. It's a dope move. And they they jump a flame off the side of the bridge. The whole movie Carmen's been badass. This is another fucking level. Uh, we finally get to see like just how fucking badass she really is. And then the line before she bursts onto the scene in the truck, like essentially fucking Dukes of Hazards towards them. They say, now let's find this girl. <laughs> I'm like 
I was, I, I stood, I stood and applauded. This was like, <laughs> it was such a moment of like victory. Carmen saves the day completely. At this point, like Clay's he's done. Out, yeah, he's out of ideas. Clay's done. He's got nothing left. And Drago, seeing Carmen barreling towards them, he has pocketed the diamonds and he gets on the kid's motorbike and tries <laughs> to drive away. Conover whips around with a fucking Uzi. <laughs> then he got, like, he materialized out of nowhere. He's got an Uzi in one hand and he's holding the explosive plunger, like, uh, remote in the other hand, just, like, gleefully just... All right, a trailer shot if I ever goddamn saw one. Drago goes off the bridge with his motorcycle. Yeah, the villain of the whole thing killed, again, another red herring villain. Drago is also just, like, taken out of the movie by... Hubris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. funny yeah. how little our heroes do. <laughs> Twas bullets killed the beast. Yeah. <laughs> Clay grabs a gun from one yeah. of the goons and he shoots Conover, who presses the button in his other hand, and the car that Panama was in blows up. Oh no, Panama's dead. <laughs> With the great no! With this like little reverb on it. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's the Jakota of this movie. Yes, it is. I was like, explosions, how could you? You've been our friends this whole movie. <laughs> how can an explosion be used for ill? Against our Panama. The explosions betrayed me. <laughs> I do love this scene just because everyone gets murked so, so fast. Quick. Like, like they, they were it's running out of time. Quick. They were yeah. running out of time and they're just like, end it, end it, no. It's the bridge on the river, die. <laughs> yeah. They they run down, they have a sad moment of like, I can't believe he's gone. He's really gone. He must be. We swear, folks, he's definitely <laughs> gone. And then we hear, get your butt over here so I can kick it. Uh, got me a little worried there, buddy. Had you worried. Uh, getting out of the car wasn't the tough part. Uh, it was all that rolling. Uh. The fact that when they walk off, that immediately Van Halen's Panama didn't start playing oh. is, is like a uh. true missed opportunity. True, they couldn't afford it. Come on now. Yeah. But just like how how satisfying would it have been? It's just like Panama. They're just like, let's go. Yeah, our heroes basically walk off into the sunset. Clayton and, kept some of the diamonds. Well, yeah, so yeah, so it turns out Clayton kept a handful of diamonds. And then they just do what everyone in the movie was trying to do this whole time. They embezzle it themselves. You know, those diamonds are government property. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> and I guess they're the good guys still. It's questionable. Yeah. It's really well, questionable. Bureaucracy is the true enemy. <laughs> right. The the whole thing at the end here is they've been betrayed by both sides of law and crime. The system wants them dead. The underworld wants them dead. Everyone wants what they've got. And at the end of the movie, they're like, hey, let's be uh, Bonnie and Clyde and Clyde. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> they just walk off into the sunset yeah. with their diamonds. Right. And we get what I've been waiting for for however many episodes. Bloops! Parker, why would 10 tons of TNT and it's only... Like, can we go from the top because Ross fucked up the scene for me. I always do that.
do 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 cha do cha 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 do cha cha do cha do cha cha. Ah, it's the rip off for pork cob. It's a rip off for pork cob. Long after movie, we're still talking about it. Action USA ripoff report card is brought to you by Hitch and Drago's Sing Sing Sings, a convict <laughs> chorus, a two CD set of inmates singing all your favorites from Johnny Cash to Merle Haggard. <laughs> <laughs> Action USA is literally the exact type of movie that actually the ripoff report card was made to discuss. <laughs> a smorgasbord of character actors of insane caliber. The combined filmography of all on screen would read like an heavenly 80s video store stock list. We're talking Stone Cold. We're talking erotic rites of Countess Dracula. Hell, <laughs> Ross Hagen has more credits in Fred Olin Ray movies than Fred Olin Ray. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually a good point to talk about Ross Hagen. The big-chested meat man himself, Drago here, had a decades-long career of playing tough guys. You might remember him as the pirate bartender in Droid Gunner, a.k.a. Cyberzone. But before all of that, he started in TV westerns like The Virginian and Gunsmoke and Daktari, before settling nicely into B-movies like The Miniskirt Mob, Wonder Woman, The Angel series, and tons more. And a movie that he started and had a story credit on called Supercock, a comedy about <laughs> cockfighting. What? Yes. Oh my what? god. B movies are fascinating. <laughs> um, if it wasn't obvious from the title, Action USA is one of a long list of direct to video action picks directed by stuntmen featuring, well, a shitload of stunts. <laughs> Legendary stuntman John Stewart, as we talked about, helms his first feature here. Having made his name in movies like Serpigo, he ultimately became known for breaking records when he fell 16 stories while on fire in the film Cold Steel. Seemingly Sick. all roads in the ripoff report card lead to the Power Rangers, <laughs> as Leslie Claypool III points out, where John Stewart was the stunt coordinator for a highly influential show. And whether it's mainstream movies that he did, like Major League or Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or B-movie trash like the Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolarama, John Stewart has created a legendary Hollywood stunt resume, unlike many others. His exploits even led to a feature movie biopic in 2007 called The Fall Guy, The John Stewart Story. That was appropriately straight to video. <laughs> he recently traded in his wires for strings when he released a Latin pop tune called To Sabor with singer Madeline Kay under the name Juliana and also wrote the theme song for The Fall Guy. They seemingly don't make them like they used to. Or so says Action USA. A funny aside is that Ross Hagen was in the 2007 Fall Guy movie, but in 1984 was featured on a TV show, also called The Fall Guy, about a stuntman who takes work as a bounty hunter when work is slow. Coincidence? <laughs> John Stewart, I'm gonna need to see some alibis. <laughs> and that is the Action USA ripoff report. Do-do-do-do. All right. 
Well, Jesus fucking Christ. What a movie. (laughs) (laughs) What a ride. That is Action USA. What are we leaving with? What, might I add, might end up on the final test? Unfortunately, after doing some research, I think all the parts were actually made in Action Thailand and Action China, and they only put everything together in Action USA. Uh, I think I learned that anything can explode if you put your mind to it. Yeah. If this movie is what happens when you give the Hollywood stunt show at MGM Studios and Walt Disney World a 90-minute running time and an R rating, I want more. Yes. 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 I just want to play with my toys again. <laughs> this movie made me miss toys. Go watch this movie, folks. I can't stress this, this enough. Yeah, go, go watch, watch this, this movie. so much to Philip Marlowe, who plays our teacher. Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessatore of Scout Harris did our theme music. Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos did our bed music. Thanks to Ann Shearer for our logo. And thanks to the entire Video High crew, Greg Hansen, Casey Regan, Josh Roth, and me, Jamie Kennedy. Tune in next time when we discuss 1976's Ape with exchange student Garrett Steiger. Khan vs. Godzilla, eat your heart out because this kaiju has his sights set on Korea and is looking to start a brawl with any ship, shark, or serpent in his way. You can listen to Video High on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook at Video High, on Instagram at Video High Podcast, and on Twitter at VideoHigh.pod. Thanks for listening. I was going to say, this is Act 1 of Glen Gary Glen Ross Hagen. <laughs> <laughs> Your ear. Podcast Network. Welcome to a BS in Education. The preview. We're your hosts, Mrs. B and Mrs. W. We are a weekly podcast where we'll be having realistic and humorous conversations about modern education. We'll open each week by sharing our personal BS. My own friggin' offspring. They are monsters. Rats. <laughs> And it's all around me. Each episode features a different learning objective. Like finding a work-life balance. When you learn what is a priority and what's not. To have a glass of wine while you're grading papers. I think so too. I just want a gallon of Diet Coke. Discussing attributes of an effective teacher. Establishing genuine relationships. Understand student needs. And (laughs) the thing that I am by far the worst at. And this is being organized. And stupid things we've done while teaching. I'll even get candy cigarettes. (laughs) And he whips it out and starts peeing on this tree. And the kid next to him starts drawing a dick on his face with a sharpie. We have social studies. Parents with children forced to do school at home are drinking more. Yeah, checks out. We'll take calls from real teachers. We went straight from being best things since the post into cowards who don't want to do their jobs and being lazy. So I'm curious what you guys are feeling when it comes to all of that. And we have some fantastic teaching tips. Resist the urge to hoard. Make friends with the head secretary at your school. We'll take a little bit of time for screaming in the parking lot. Call me coverage. 
one more time. Crayola, please. The rose art. Yeah. And we'll close it out with what makes it all worth it. Oh my goodness. It was the cutest. fun. Remember that kids really do love their teachers and that means that we're all doing something right. So tell your teacher friends, tell your non-teacher friends to subscribe to A BS in Education.